vacation or vacation, but for our anniversary. And I got to tell you, there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a whole other world outside of California. Um, I, I, in Nashville, there's no mask mandates, there's no social distancing, all restaurants are fully open, all theaters. We went to the Grand Ole Opry packed house, shoulder to shoulder, everybody, and it was amazing. I love it. I love that we're getting back to normal again. Somebody say amen. amen. I just encourage you, whether you're watching online or you're, or, you're, or you're here live, don't let fear overtake you. Don't buy into the message that, that, that we don't have to be captive to fear. We have to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but not captive to fear. Somebody say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, I got a message for you today. This is what we call an in-betweener. Next week, we're starting a new series um, uh, that will take us through the month of June. But this is a week that I want to just talk to you about something that's very dear to my heart and very dear to people and their respective needs that they have. We had a good time at our outdoor campus just now a few minutes ago. People are still standing, uh, and when, as I left, still standing at the altars, uh, and God did a great work. And I'm believing that God's going to do something in your life today, and I'm believing that God's going to do something in your life today. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe, raise your hand, how many of you believe that God has the power to touch a sick body and make it well? Anybody believe that? I believe that. I believe that. I believe that you believe that at home as well. I, I completely believe that he does. In fact, if you look throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are dozens and dozens of examples of Jesus, of Jesus, of God healing people's bodies physically. In the New Testament, there's over 30 examples of Jesus healing people's bodies physically. In fact, there's an implication in the scripture in the New Testament that there are hundreds of more miracles of healing that weren't recorded in the Bible. We know that Jesus healed blind eyes and healed deaf ears and he made the lame to walk and he even raised the dead. There's some funny healings. I don't know if they're funny to you, but they're kind of funny to me. There's one rather humorous healing about Paul in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Luke wrote the book of Acts, so he's recording this. So he was there and witnessed this. Paul is preaching at this house and he's going on and on and on and on. And a kid by the name of Eutychus was listening to his preaching. And uh, he, uh, you ever been bored in the middle of a sermon before at another church? At another church? You know what that's that's Yes, right. Sure, sure. All right. So, so anyway, Paul was going on and on and on. There's this kid named Eutychus who's sitting in a windowsill and he's starting to kind of nod off. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and he does. He nods off, but he doesn't just nod off. He falls out the window, falls down to the ground. The Bible says he dies. I've, I've uh, made people fall asleep in messages before. I've ticked people off in messages before. Um, but I've never killed anybody before. So Paul kills somebody in his message, like literally kills. And so Paul runs up, da, 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 thinking as he's running down the stairs. Oh God, oh God, oh God, this is ruining everything. And he gets down to the bottom and he, he lays hands on him and he heals him. So uh, it was a miracle that took place. It was kind of humorous how it came about, but, it, but, it, but it's a miracle. The most controversial of all miracles, you might find this to be interesting, uh, is the healing in the New Testament where Jesus, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. It's controversial. Most scholars believe that's why Peter denied Jesus three times. It's because, I was just, I'm just joking, just relax, just kidding, just kidding, mother, just kidding, just, just joking, snap, man, tough crowd. I believe that God has the power to heal. I believe that God has the power to heal. John chapter 14, verse number 12. 
Jesus said these words, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So, so the question that I have is what was Jesus doing? He was healing the sick. And I believe the same power that healed the sick when Jesus walked the earth still heals the sick today. And God does it through the faithful prayers of his people. We serve a God to whom all things are possible. A God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within the church. We believe in a God who does miracles. But let me address the elephant in the room that always accompanies a teaching or a message with regard to divine healing, to miracles. How many of you have prayed for a miracle before, a healing before, for healing for you or for somebody else, and it didn't happen? Raise your hand. Come on now. Yeah, I think, I think all of us have. Let me just tell you, I believe that God can heal, but sometimes I can get a little bit confused. And, and I know that God's not the author of that. Sometimes when you believe that God can and he doesn't, it can unsettle you. It can rattle you a little. It can, shake, it can rock your world. Where is God? God, I knew you would, but why does my son still suffer so much? God, I, I, I believed you could, but why does my daughter struggle so much? God, we prayed and prayed, but why did grandma die of cancer? God, I knew you could, and a lot of people would conclude at this point that evidently either God is A, not real, B, he's not good, or C, he just doesn't care. How do we reconcile what do we do? How do we go before God? How do we pray if we believe he can? We know that he has, but he doesn't always do what we know he could do or what we think that he should do. Oof. I want to talk today in a way that might answer a few of these questions and at the same time build your faith in a God who does do miracles, who does hear our prayers. So here's the foundational thought to this whole thing. It may be obvious to you in real life, but it may not be obvious to you that this is true. It's a true thought throughout the entire Bible, and it's this. Our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. Our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. You would know that to be true because you raised your hand a few seconds ago and you're like, I, I've experienced that he hasn't healed every time. But a lot of people don't recognize that that's true in the Bible as well. Every time somebody wanted to be healed in the Bible, they weren't necessarily healed. And we're going to understand why in a minute. Let me just give you three, three really fast examples. There's a guy named Trophimus. Trophimus, maybe you've never heard this character before, but um, this guy was um, one of Paul's friends. Went with him when Paul went out on his third missionary journey. And Trophimus uh, was, a, was sick. He was ill. In fact, it tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse uh, number 20, Aristus uh, uh, stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. I left him sick. Well, why didn't he heal him? He, we can assume that Paul had prayed for his friend to get better. I mean, that just makes sense. Of course he did. But he wasn't healed. God apparently didn't heal him. He could have, 
but he didn't. And then the same thing with, with Paul's a protege, his apprentice, Timothy. Timothy, um, we know that he struggled with, well, with stomach illness. So it says in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 5, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. In, in, and some of you take that to the, well, hello, cheers, right? Um, um, that's not exactly what we're trying to get to here this morning, but uh, change of direction. Um, the, the whole point is God could have healed him, but he didn't. And so Paul's like, use whatever you need to, whatever's available to you, whatever medicine that is out there that, to make it better. In this case, God could have healed him, but God did not heal him. Paul himself, the writer of most of the New Testament, he complained and he just stated boldly, man, three times I prayed that this thorn in my flesh, this thorn in my side would be taken. What was the thorn? We're not quite sure. Some people say maybe it was sciatica. You ever had that before? That just, it just debilitating, right? It just, it was like, a, some people say it was epilepsy maybe that he struggled with. Some people say maybe it was this, an eyesight issue. We're really not sure. Scholars disagree and they can talk about this. All we, don't, all we know is Paul pleaded. That word pleaded is in the New Testament. He pleaded with with Jesus, with God, three times. Now, that doesn't mean that he had a three 30-minute prayer, prayer meetings, which to some of you might seem like a long time. That meant that he went on three uh, prayer benders, prayer sessions, prayer seasons. That means for a period of three separate seasons of months, he pleaded with God. The word pleaded means an ongoing, persistent pursuit I mean, he was really begging God to take this away for three different seasons of chunks of months in his life. And Jesus finally responds to him and says, no, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do it. In this case, I'm going to show you that my grace is going to be enough to get you through. Hmm. Three different times where people that were faithful in the Bible, servants of God, weren't healed when they were prayed for to be healed. Our God can heal, and oftentimes he does heal, but when he doesn't, how do we deal with that? Tragically, if I can kind of go into the church world for just a minute, sometimes well-meaning Christians, and some of you might have been hurt by this before, sometimes well-meaning Christians can say really hurtful things really mean-spirited things, best of intention. You know, I know your daughter's sick, but you know what? Um, uh, for whatever reason, it's probably because there's sin in your life. And you know, if you just get rid of that sin in your life, um, or if you would learn how to pray the right way, you're praying the wrong way. If you learn how to pray the right way, uh, you're doing something wrong, and they go on and on and on. Well-meaning Christians can often bring guilt and, and condemnation onto someone else who, uh, who's struggling God isn't doing what they think he should do. God isn't doing um, what they want him to do. And so the blame is, is, is put on the person who's hurting or the person who is the parent of the one who is hurting in this, in this particular example. And then what happens is those people end up just literally walking away from God. Or if they don't walk away from God, they certainly walk away from the fellowship of the church, from, from God's people. Shame on the church for that. What do we do with a God that we know can, but he doesn't always do it. And at the same time, how do, we, how do we let our faith grow and continue to ask him for miracles of healing? Well, we're going to build on that, that foundation. I, I want to talk to you about three reasons, first of all, why Jesus did not do miracles. 
Three reasons, biblically, why Jesus did not do miracles. Number one, pretty, uh, well, let's, first of all, I want to look at, I got ahead of myself. Um, Jesus, number one, refused to perform miracles to prove himself. He refused to perform miracles to, listen, he, have you ever done that? I've done that a few times in my life, a few more times than I care to even talk about. Um, uh, you know, God, if you'll just do this one thing, if you'll do this one thing, then I will serve you with all my heart, then I'll do whatever you want. If you'll just come through for you, this one area, and we negotiate with God, and God doesn't play like that. I, I wish he did. It'd be so much easier, but he doesn't. God does what God wants to do, and he refuses to perform miracles to prove himself. Mark chapter 8, verses 11 and 12 help us get this. The Pharisees they came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. <sighs> Jesus sighs deeply. There's great meaning in that. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Jesus sighs de- In other words, you're making me crazy, right? He's saying, I'm not doing tricks for you. He's like, I'm not doing miracles to prove myself. I do miracles that are in line with the heart of God. Number two, Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. This is a hard one to swallow because we don't always know what God's ultimate plan is. But God has an ultimate plan, and he knows time from the beginning to the end. This is where it can kind of get painful and a little confusing to us, a little difficult to understand, but it's so important. He never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. I'm going to show you an example in just one story, and there's several of them in the New Testament. But one story, you remember the the issue where Judas betrayed Jesus um, for 30 pieces of silver, and he gives the indication that um, um, when it's time, I'll give him a kiss on the cheek. So Judas goes up and kisses Jesus on the cheek the night that Jesus was betrayed. And um, Peter, Peter got some inside intel somehow. He found out about this, and so he knows what's going on. Peter is spunky. Uh, Peter is reactive. Peter is, uh, is, he's just not a very good aim. Let's just say that way. So Peter pulls out his sword, and he swings for the fences, and he misses the guy's head, and he chops off Malchus's ear. I mean, it is a, can you picture the scene for just a second? The ear, listen, his ear flies off, blood comes out the ear socket, probably squirting like crazy. I know, I know, I know. There's pandemonium all all over the place, and, and you can sense Jesus is disappointed at this part. He's, Peter, 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 I got this under control. This isn't what I wanted you to do. Where's the ear? Somebody find, it, it probably is round, it probably rolled, maybe it's, look under the bushes, it's under the bushes, check under the bushes. Somebody, somebody find the ear, right? So they find the ear, and Jesus is like, bam, pops it right back on Malchus's ear socket, seals it back in there again, heals him. In the same breath, he turns to Peter in a teaching moment, in a teaching moment, and he says, don't you realize, don't you, I just did a miracle, don't you realize that I could call on my father from heaven and he would unleash thousands upon thousands of angels and rescue me from this, that none of us would need to go through any of this, that I could do a miracle, but I'm not going to. 
In one story, Jesus does a miracle, and in the same story, he says he could, but he doesn't do a miracle. Why? Because the second one would interfere with the divine will and plan that God Almighty has for mankind. Hmm. When did Jesus not do a miracle? He didn't do a miracle to prove himself. He didn't do a miracle if it would interfere with God's plan. And number three, Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. This is where it can be like in our face a little bit. Jesus did not do a miracle where there was no faith. Now we're going to unpack this a little bit to understand, but you'll remember when Jesus went to his hometown, people were not impressed with Jesus because they grew up with him. Oh, that, isn't that, yeah, that's Joseph's son. This carpenter's boy. I mean, he's the one that was in the shop all the time. He's the one that knew all the answers every time in school, right? Never, ever had, had a problem. Um, never talked out of turn and whatever. Anyway, he was the perfect boy, literally, right? And so like, we don't respect him. Jesus is just somebody very familiar to us. And, he, and Jesus says, I, 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 it says in the Bible, he didn't do many miracles there. Why? It says because of their lack of Faith. Faith moves the heart of God. Faith matters to God. When you pray, your faith touches the heart of God. Let me give you three quick examples. Faith. Uh, there was a woman with the issue of blood. Uh, Twelve years she had been bleeding. She's um, isolated. She's alone. She uh, can't have any contact, physical contact with people. She's embarrassed. She's in incredible, incredible chronic pain. And she, she hears that Jesus is coming to the area. She says to herself, if I could just touch, I just believe, if I could touch just the hem, just the, the bottom of his, of his, of his overcoat, of his, of his garment, of his cloak, if I could just touch it, I know that I'll be healed. And so by faith, she makes her way through the crowd. She crawls through and she touches the hem of a garment. Jesus stops and turns around, who touched me? Virtue has left me. She's like, well, I did, I just believed. He's like, and he responds to her daughter, your faith has healed you. There's a man that has leprosy and he falls, skin disease, terrible, terribly contagious. Controlled now um, in our society, but back then this was deadly. This would literally eat you alive. And he falls before Jesus at the feet of Jesus. Jesus looks at this man, says, rise and go. Your what? Your faith has healed you, has made you well. A blind man uh, uh, comes to Jesus and screams out, I can't see you, but I hear you. I know you're there. By the way, that's a good word for you, too. I can't see you, but I hear you. I know you're there. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and he says, go. Your faith has healed you. Our faith moves the heart of God. And what's so interesting to me is according to the Bible, there is only one thing, one thing in the entire Bible that amazes Jesus. And that is our faith. Our faith amazes Jesus. Sometimes he's amazing. Wow, amazing faith. And the other spectrum is sometimes he's like, wow. Is that all the faith? Two different times. Let me show you in the Bible. Two different extremes. Roman centurion has a servant. Presumably the servant must be a friend. He dearly cares about this servant. 
And, and, G- and he goes before Jesus and says, I'm not even worthy of you coming to my house. You just say the word. You don't have to see my servant. You don't have to touch my servant. You don't have to turn in the direction of my servant. You just say the word. And I believe when you speak the word, Jesus, he will be healed. Jesus says the word, and according to the Bible, he was healed. And it says that Jesus was amazed at this Roman centurion's faith. I have never seen faith like this before, Jesus says. Wow! And yet in Jesus' hometown where he was a prophet without any honor, Jesus is like, wow. I'm amazed that you don't believe that I I can do anything. I'm amazed at your lack of faith. Two extremes. So you, you can see these two extremes. And I'm curious, when it comes to your faith, Jesus were amazed, would he be like, wow? Or would he be like, wow? What would Jesus be amazed by and to what degree? It just, as a barometer, use your prayers in this last week. Were they like, God, I believe on behalf of my family, on behalf of my friends, behalf of, I believe that you can do all things. I trust you, God. I give it to you. I know I'm going through the valley, but there is a victory that is to be had. Or were your prayers, thanks for the food. Is it wow or is it wow? Now, it's not a judgment. It's self-reflection. It's not about energy and, and enthusiasm. That can be drummed up and faked. It's about sincerity and trust. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Something that amazed Jesus is powerful and strong. Wow, he's amazed. Hmm. What do you do when you find that our faith is a little bit on the lower end, though? Huh. What do you do when your faith is a little lower? Rather than, wow, it's kind of like, wow, you know? What do you do when, you, when you're, when you're the, the, listen, the good news is that faith moves God. And Jesus is so encouraging in this area. And he tells us this. He says, there is, if there's a mountain in your life, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and it must obey. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, tiny little amount of faith. I want to frame this so that we can really understand this a little bit. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and if you have faith in my direction, then mountains will move. In other words, your faith at times will be really strong, and at times your faith will be kind of strong, and at times your faith is going to be struggling. That's called like human nature. God loves you enough to work with the faith that you have. Wow. There's a story in the Bible about a dad who's in agony. And he's in agony because his son is hurting. Listen, I can deal with a lot of personal pain. But I think you can identify with this. When my kid or when my grandchildren are hurting, nothing hurts like that. Y'all understand? Any parent knows that feeling. And so this son is an agony. And we're talking about agony and pain that we don't fully comprehend and understand. He is so possessed by demons, this little boy, that he physically would throw himself into the fire to begin to burn alive. Dad would have to pull him out. I mean, this, this kid is 
in torment. And so this dad, as desperate as he is, believes that Jesus can help, but he doesn't want to get his hopes too high. And so he's like, Jesus, if you can do anything, please do it. If you care, if you can, if you can do anything, would you help? And Jesus says these words. He says, anything is possible for them who believe. And the father says something that honestly captures where I live most of the time. The father exclaims, I do believe. And then he says, help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, I do believe, but I'm still human. I'm not, I've seen you do it with other people. I've seen you do it before, Jesus, and I think that you can do it for my son, but I'm just not sure, and I don't want to get my hopes up so high because if you don't come through, I'm going to be utterly devastated in my life. I don't want to get my hopes too high. This is the best I can do. This is, I'm giving you all that I can. Help me in this. And Jesus looks at this desperate father with loving understanding, identifying his imperfect faith. I'm going to get as real with you as I, as I can. I hope you don't lose respect for me, but there are times when I really need God to help me overcome my own personal unbelief. I, I do believe it's just not perfect belief right now. And, and here's, here's what I pray. God, whatever I have, as imperfect as it is, I'm bringing it to you. And God, I believe that you hear my prayers. I believe that you do miracles. But right now, I've only got faith the size of a mustard seed. And Jesus responds to that prayer. And he's like, Troy, that's all I need. And I know, I know that many of you are hurting. I know there's physical problems and emotional problems and, and relational issues. You want to be healed, but there is a prerequisite, and that is faith. Faith. Can we amaze Jesus with our faith? Can we believe that he who began a good work in us will be faithful, will be faithful to complete it? Can, can we really believe that New Life Church, can you find even a mustard seed size of faith inside of you this morning? Can you, like the father whose son was dying, bring your imperfect faith before God and ask him to help me overcome my unbelief? Can you do that? So here's what I want to do. I've got a little bit more time today. I feel inside of me as I was preparing this message that God was going to draw people who need miracles. Here's the deal. There ain't nobody that doesn't need a miracle. Everybody needs something from God. Everybody has hurts and wounds and struggles and frustrations and discouragements and letdowns and pain. And so I'm going to ask that and we're going to sing for a few minutes. I appreciate so much our team being ready. And as they begin to, to sing today, I'm just going to ask you to muster up mustard seed-sized faith. And as you 
do that. We're going to invite the elders of the church to come and, like the Bible says, to, to lay hands on you and to pray for you and to trust God. Now, it might not be you as, as in the last campus. It might be for somebody that you love. It might be for somebody that is so hurting and so broken and so struggling that you say, I'm going to stand in the gap for them. It might be you at home. Here's what you need to do is you need to respond to this altar call for healing and just maybe put in the comment section, God, heal me, or I stand in the gap. You don't have to say for who or for what the details are, but, but I want that to be your declaration of faith today. But as we come to these altars, we're going to pray for you for a few moments, and we're going to trust God. You didn't come here by accident. Some of you are at the, the end of your rope. Some of you are hurting so bad and you're trying to suffer in silence and in private. And God is like, let me strengthen you. Something has to break. Father, thank you so much for your message. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are indeed the God that healeth thee. Thank you, Lord God, that you possess the power, the strength, the anointing. There is nothing that is too difficult for you. God, what amazes you is the faith of your children. May we fully trust and fully believe, God, in your word and in your ability, not in our circumstances, not looking to the left or to the right, but God, trusting in you that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. God, we need you today. We need need you today, God. We ask for your strength and your help and your healing and your anointing and your power and your freedom, God. We pray, God, that you would touch us from the inside out. Minister to us, God, by your power and by your might. So as the worship team begins to, begins to sing, I'm just going to open up these altars. If you need healing or you know somebody that you want to stand in the gap for them, find your way to these altars. You can stand, you can kneel, you can lay down before God, but let's pray together the prayer of faith that God would heal and raise up and strengthen and renew in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let's come, let's come. Let's go. Hallelujah. 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 Pastors, please come. Elders, please come. Pray for people as they need healing from you today.